and welcome back to Sharp Scratch. You're listening to episode 95, Is the Grass Greener Elsewhere? This is a podcast brought to you by the BMJ and sponsored by Medical Protection, where medical students, junior doctors and expert guests come together and discuss all the things you need to know to be a good doctor, but that you might not get taught at medical school. I'm Charlotte and I'm the editorial scholar here at the BMJ, looking after all the content the BMJ student will be producing this year. I'll also be going back to finish my final year as a medical student at the University of Oxford in July. Um, so let's meet our panel for today. Uh, would you like to introduce yourselves? Yeah, uh, thanks Charlotte. Um, Patrick is my name. I'm a final year medical student in the University of Galway, so I'm almost finished. I'm a couple of weeks away from graduating. Um, thanks very much for having me, Charlotte. No, no, it's great to have you. Um, it's good to hear that you're really close to the finish line now. Hi guys, I'm Sarah. I'm also a final year medical student um, based in Milton Keynes, but I finish next summer, so we have a different calendar. Amazing. Not too long to go then either. Um, But yeah, it's great to see you today. Um, And I'd also like to welcome our expert guest, Dr. Matt Morgan. So when we were thinking about who to ask about moving abroad, we didn't actually have to look very far. You might have seen Matt's columns in the BMJ, where he's been talking about his recent move to Australia. So we thought we'd find out a bit more about kind of how he went about that and what hurdles he had to jump. Um, So Matt, could you tell us a bit about yourself? Hello everybody, I work as an intensive care consultant in Perth, Western Australia at the minute, although I've worked in Cardiff and other places in the UK before that. As well as intensive care, I do some work for the BMJ for on examination, uh, some research and some writing too. Amazing. Oh, it's so nice to have you with us today, Matt. Given the current working conditions in the UK, we're hearing more and more stories of doctors moving abroad to practice medicine. However, this isn't necessarily unusual. Doctors and other healthcare professionals from many different countries often do decide to get a taste for healthcare systems elsewhere, either through short, temporary placements or through a more permanent move. In today's episode, we're going to be talking all about why students or junior doctors might consider working abroad. We'll also talk about the pros and cons of moving to a different country to work and whether the grass really is greener on the other side. We'll finish off by talking about the logistics of making such a move and hear some top tips from our expert guest. Okay, so uh, just to start off then, um, Patrick, Sarah, have you ever thought about moving out of your country to practice medicine? So, I mean, I think I definitely have. Um... I think when you go through med school and it's such a challenging experience, obviously it's enjoyable and you get to do a lot of great things, but I think sometimes you just come out wanting a breath of fresh air, wanting sort of a change of scene, wanting to do something different and thinking about different life experiences. And then I think, you know, something that's a bit topical right now is also the pay um, of junior doctors. And when you compare that with sort of what you could get in other countries, that could be a motivator and just having sort of a different lifestyle, a bit of a change. And um, another thing is sort of the pathway to specialising. Obviously, in the UK, it's quite a rigorous training system, but you can kind of get away with a few years um, shorter in different places. I think those are some of the things that kind of play in your mind when you start to weigh your options a little bit. Yeah, that makes sense. And is there like one place in particular that you've been thinking about kind of moving to after med school or are you just open to Um, seeing what happens? I'm open. I like to keep my options open, but if I'm being really honest, I think the place I've kind of considered the most is probably the US. Cool. Yeah, I think it's just interesting to hear what people are considering and how they're kind of weighing up this decision, basically. Mm. Um, Patrick, what about you? 
Yeah, I've definitely considered uh, moving abroad. I think um, in in my medical skill, but I think in Ireland in general, there's a big culture of going away for a couple of years after you graduate. Uh, like Australia is particularly popular. So lots of people say in the year above me now are kind of preparing to uh, that, like that have just finished intern year, say uh, they're preparing to move to, say, Perth or Melbourne or Sydney uh, for a couple of years and kind of work um, work in an Australian hospital and kind of travel around a little bit, kind of a little bit like a working holiday, I guess. Um, I'm not sure if that's as popular in the UK. I would say so. Charlotte? I don't know. <laughs> um, but, yeah. Yeah. I think so. I think, like, Sarah, I mean, you can come in on this as well. I think, like, lots of people are considering it and weighing it up. I'm not sure how many people do end up doing it but I think it's definitely something that a lot of people tend to think about kind of like tea break chatter or that kind of thing <laughs> exactly and I think especially when I think a lot of people in the first year you know they're very wide-eyed and hopeful and like it is a nice idea to keep these options open but then it does come at a cost of doing sort of more exams you know studying a different sort of curriculum on top of what you already study um, paying as well because you know I guess I haven't really looked into other countries, but doing something like the US, you do have to um, invest quite a lot of money in taking exams and eventually going over for interviews and things like that. So you do have to be quite committed. So I think it is a lot of, like you said, tea room chatter and then maybe one or two actually go ahead the whole way um, to see it happen. Yeah. I definitely uh, love to work at somewhere else and get the chance to kind of have um a nice work-life balance I feel like that's one of the biggest things that working abroad can offer is uh, like a good lifestyle and then um, it would be nice as well just to have um, yeah a little bit of time away from home away from the rain uh, <laughs> and then kind <laughs> yeah. of experiencing another health system as well is always quite cool and I think that if you see kind of things being done very well somewhere else you tend to bring it back more with you whereas if you're always working in the same place or the same type of places you can kind of get rooted in like a mindset of like this is what we do here you know I think it allows you to be a little bit more open and uh, uh, when you've seen different healthcare play out healthcare systems play out rather yeah absolutely I agree with everything and I think one thing I was thinking about is um, you know my university especially there's quite a few international students um, as well so I guess with the mindset that this isn't everyone's primary home then I think you know sometimes people are more um, open to being fluid and going to other places just because this is another place for them to begin with. Yeah definitely lots to consider um, and Matt kind of from your perspective what what have you done and how did you kind of make those decisions? Yeah, so I've travelled and worked in Australia on two occasions. I travelled here in my kind of advanced year of training. It was a one-year fellowship. That was always going to be a one-year period uh, to return. So I did that back about a decade or more ago. And now I've latterly come out as a consultant here at a different stage of life when I've got a family and commitments at home and so on. Um, I guess the first thing to say, how amazing is it that medicine is one of those jobs and professions that allows travel to you know, most countries around the world? And, and that's possible. And I think it's easy to take that for granted. I think it's something 
you know we should remember it can really open doors uh, for that and I think the way that training is happening in the UK at the minute it's increasingly based in sometimes quite small geographical areas not always but but sometimes and so seeing those different ways of working I think is more important than ever it doesn't mean you're going to work and live abroad forever but bringing that perhaps back and seeing things done differently is amazing and increasingly you know medicine is global Uh, it's not now so much about what to do you know things like bmj learning and bmj's best practice and other resources tell us what to do and sometimes that's the same all over the world the important thing is how to do stuff you know the culture and the place in which in which it's done and that can be radical you know even moving from wales to england or scotland to ireland you know it can be radical you don't have to go halfway across the world to do it so yeah i think it's really important we're really lucky that we can do that and uh, I i think it's it's a great thing mostly yeah definitely um and kind of on both occasions matt was there um what what was the kind of driving force that made you want to kind of work abroad was it this idea of wanting to experience a different healthcare system yeah, I think the reason anyone goes is probably in one of three categories. It's personal, life or work reasons. And it's best when those three things align. And I think for me on both times, it was probably all three. Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of work, intensive care is done really well in Australia uh, and differently in many ways. So that was a big driver. Personally, yeah, I just wanted a change, a, a change of scenery, a change of weather. Uh, yeah. and the, but actually, the grass isn't greener here. It's very yellow at the minute, actually, because <laughs> Western Australia is, is has had a crazy hot summer. So it certainly gave me that. And then I think life-wise, you know, we, we've touched on conditions and uh, and money and things. That's not always better. Sometimes it's just different, uh, and, and difference is fine too. So I think it was those three reasons. The fellowship was probably more uh, around work and experience and things and the second time as a consultant is more about uh, I I suppose showing my family a different way uh, to work I've got two girls um, and yeah it's probably more those personal life aspects although the work is also fantastic yeah I think I actually just wanted to ask I don't think we actually covered this but why why Australia out of sort of all the options that you had open to you (laughs) Yeah, good question. I think the second time it was because we'd been here before and we had social connections and familiarity and it felt uh, it, it felt easier and safer, I guess, in terms of the risk to us not liking the area or the place or the people. Um, the first decision, I think the US is a more difficult place in terms of exams and logistics to get to and Australia and Canada to some extent make that process easier Uh, and I'd done a lot of exams through bits of my career and I didn't particularly want to uh, do more so I think that that was the reason we we looked at those areas in particular. When we say about going abroad you know that can sound always amazing faraway places or places very different but of course that's not possible for everybody. There may be people with health issues or people with financial concerns that that can't do that. I think, you know, there's also ways to do it closer to home. You know, I've mentioned going from Wales to England or Scotland to Ireland or 
or even closer. Uh, is, is that something either of you have thought about in terms of experiencing a different way of working by, I guess, move into a different system, but perhaps uh, not the other side of the world? Um, yeah, so I think within the UK, I'll be honest, um, I'm pretty fixated of in being sort of around sort of London or um, Milton Keynes, which is where I am, um, just because I guess that's, if I was in the UK, I would want to be close to my social networks and close to family. And I have come sort of away from that to be in school. So I think for me, the sooner I can kind of get back to normalcy would be the better. I think um, with moving abroad, um, you know, I am one of those people I mentioned. So I'm originally from Nigeria. I did move here when I was very young and I do consider the UK home. But then I've been here to a point where it's like, OK, I could do with some nicer weather, some change of scenery, Um you know, going back to Nigeria as a fresh medical graduate is not ideal because I think I still have a lot to learn in terms of my skill set um, and in the profession. So I would be looking for somewhere else where I could sort of hone in my expertise, um, which is why sort of places like the US, Canada or even Australia would probably be more appealing um, in that regard. But yeah, at the same time, I think it's kind of like what you said, like you want to go and learn from these places, improve that skill set and bring it back either to the UK or um, back to Nigeria. I think the fact that this is sort of a third degree for me means I'm kind of in the older students. I don't really go for the word mature students category, but I think (laughs) that also puts a bit of time pressure. Um, I do want to pursue this medicine route and I do want to be able to specialise, but I'm not necessarily willing to give another, you know, 10, 12 years where I know in another country could be done in maybe five to six. So I think those are the kind of things that um, play a part in that as well. Yeah, that that makes perfect sense. You know, but bizarrely, in a way, there are some places I could have gone in the UK, which may have been much more radically different than Australia. You know, I've gone from a, a relatively big city in the UK, working in a big academic hospital, to a big city in Australia working in a big academic hospital. I guess if I'd gone to a rural island at the west northerly tip of Scotland, <laughs> actually it would have been far more different. Um, you know, perhaps I would have learnt very different new works things. So I think, you know, it's different for everybody. But I think if there are people listening who, you know, may struggle to uh, radically move across the world because of finance or health or, or other reasons I think it's equally possible to find amazing difference uh, kind of on, on your doorstep I guess in, in many ways. Absolutely. Yeah I definitely consider moving say to the UK um, to Scotland or to England or Wales uh, what have you um, I think that the experience that I've got so far has been in mostly kind of smaller hospitals because where I live isn't like a particularly big city. And I did a year in a in a rural hospital as well. And th- that, I guess, has given me a one kind of experience. But I, I'd love to kind of get experience like a big tertiary centre in London or Birmingham or Edinburgh or something. Um, I feel like as well, because it's close to home, like everywhere in the UK is essentially a quick flight home um, which is really nice and that's like a big thing to consider Um, you know if something god forbid were to happen with your family or something you know you can be home in by the end of the day versus if you're in Australia I guess it's like it's a different consideration 
and as well there's just there's a lot of Irish people living in the UK as well so there's a good network there now in saying that there's a good network in Australia too and other places but it's nice to know that you can kind of still feel at home and be away and I think it does allow you to um like the guidelines are quite similar and stuff they translate quite well so like it, it is kind of the same I guess style of medicine and like the ethos is very much the same with working in the HSE versus the NHS uh, I, I'd, I'd love to yeah I'd love to get the chance to do that at some point maybe for my basic specialist training or as a fellowship or something yeah 100% yeah that kind of move is much more like what I would be looking at just like within the UK I think I'm quite like a home person um, and all my family are in Wales so I think for me moving abroad would be really challenging Um, so I guess there's like a whole like you said a whole range of different ways of experiencing different systems and like uh, I guess getting different experiences without necessarily having to uproot Um, so yeah that's definitely something. Yeah, yeah and I guess about. even if radical change halfway across the world is something of interest, you know, there's again lots of ways to do that. You know, there could even be extended study leave options for doing that. There could be exchange programs with particular departments for, you know, a six week period where, yes, you know, it's different than working there and having roots and socialising, but you may be able to get some of the experience or even test, you know, that out before going in uh, you know with with both feet I guess so and I think medicine probably needs to be better at that you know what, what you don't want is really insular culture you want new ways of doing things new ways of achieving stuff so making those exchanges and reciprocal uh, more and more I think is something that medicine should, should try and do really yeah definitely um and Matt, from your kind of experience, have you found that there are a lot of doctors from the UK um, working in Australia? Have you met a lot of people? Yeah, so again, I'm in a, a city centre hospital in Perth. Uh, it, it's different if you go in more rural areas, but yes, there are. There's a huge number of people, from, from Ireland especially. Uh, I think Perth mm-hmm. has got a particularly good relationship with uh, Irish doctors coming for, for in that early phase uh, and and that's great you know you've got shared experiences and and shared culture to some degree but I think it's also important if you do go elsewhere to try and immerse yourself in the local culture uh, and certainly in Australia uh, the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people for example have a huge number of health challenges and a fascinating culture of their own so I think it's great that there's people you can have shared history with, but equally, do put yourself out there, do try new things, and do try to form you know new circles of friendship and connections. Yeah, no, definitely, that's really interesting. Um, okay, so we'll come back and talk a bit more about the pros and cons of moving abroad to practice medicine right after this message from our sponsor. Indemnity. You've probably not given it much thought, but it won't be long until the risk of claims and patient complaints becomes all too real. Whatever lies ahead, you need experts in your corner who offer indemnity and a whole lot more. That's why it pays to be with Medical Protection. There's our free membership during your medical school years, our wealth of training resources to help you become the best doctor you can be, and our international experience that protects you during your elective no matter how far from home you end up. In fact, 
There are many reasons why our members worldwide trust us to support and protect them throughout their careers. And if you're looking for one more, every week, one lucky new joiner wins £200. That's the average student weekly spend. Just join for free and you're automatically entered into the draw. That's why UK medical students choose to be part of medical protection. You can't blame them, so why not join them? Visit medicalprotection.org to find out more. So, Matt, from your point of view, what were some of the kind of pros and cons that you were weighing up before you decided to make such a big move? Well, I think it depends a lot on what stage of life you're at. When Mm -hmm. I did it originally, I was married. I had a a young daughter who was just nine months old. Mm -hmm. So there was a huge amount to think about in terms of personal aspects there. When I've come the second time, actually, we've probably had more commitments. We had a mortgage. Uh, I had two two daughters and cars and, you know, all those logistics of life. And that actually is, that's a large part of the planning and the stress and the uncertainty of, of coming. Mm-hmm. So I think those are probably the big things. And, of course, uh, work and, of course, friends, family, colleagues and so on to go. But I think it's... It's those personal life aspects which are good to think about. Of course, it would be easier if you did this when you had less commitments rather than more commitments, maybe before you bought a house rather than after or or before those other life events happened. But, you know, we're all different and uh, there's a, a right or a wrong time to do it for everybody, really. Yeah, definitely. Um, and Sarah, Patrick, is there any kind of things that you're you would be particularly worried about particularly excited about either way um so i guess one of the things that i'd be worried about would be um whether it could like match my reality i think uh for a while i was thinking about going to the us to do a residency or something like that and i was kind of you know really starting to consider doing the us mles and studying for them and i think in my head i was kind of thinking that i'd be like carrie bradshaw and sex in the city and just kind <laughs> of swanning around new york and you know whatever um and i feel like it's then hard on the other side to kind of think that okay no you'll be working you know 85 hours a week you could be working you could be working in new york you could be working in kentucky it depends on where you match and um, I guess the same for going to Australia. It's like it's I, it's easy to imagine yourself with kind of all all your classmates there and you're all on the beach. And it's like, oh, might pop into the hospital for three hours, you know, show my face, whatever. <laughs> um, and then I guess that that kind of isn't actually the reality that you're going to be having. And it is kind of a full time job as much as it's a a new city and it's sunny all the time and all that kind of kind of stuff so I guess that I'd be worried that the expectation wouldn't match my reality and then another thing that I was kind of thinking about was you know how much it would kind of affect my career and like say for example um, when people go away to Australia it like they're after their intern year which is their equivalent of f1 they kind of stall any of their training or the vast majority of them do anyway so i'd be kind of worried you know am i kind of holding myself back or am i you know am i kind of stopping 
you know, training? Is there, is it possible to advance in your training while working abroad? That's another kind of concern that I kind of had because I know it can be difficult to get your training recognized in different countries. Yeah, that makes sense. Is is like uh, either of those worries things that you have thought about, Sarah, as well? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think the biggest fear is always going to be, you know, what if you get there and you hate it and, you know, you're halfway across the world, you've spent all this time and money and it's just not matching up to um, your expectations. But um, I guess on that aspect, you may not know that until it's too late and then you have to roll with the punches. But I think other things is just, you know, things we've already mentioned, the kind of the cost um, in terms of financially, just having to take all these exams by these question banks. Whenever you speak to people who have, you know, taken that leap, there's just a long list of things to do and places to register. And we have a whole application matching program in the UK already. And then having to do that with a different system. And even though a lot of the medicine does translate, um, you will know that in US medical schools, they teach them specifically for the USMLE. And for us, it's like learning a whole extra curriculum alongside um, what's already expected for medical school. So I think knowing if you really have the time and um, being able to balance that, I think that is an important question to ask yourself at any point in trying to make that journey. And also, when is the best time to do it? Is this something I should be doing in medical school? Is this something I should wait and do in my foundation years and things like that? And um, I think... Even though I did mention the concept of time before and um, just wanting to get things done relatively quickly. At the same time, I think I still kind of enjoy doing the rotations that we do in medical school and foundation training is a lot like that. And um, to my understanding, if I was to go somewhere, let's say the US, then at that point, I would kind of need to know what I wanted to specialize in. And I think specializing too early, um, if you haven't really given a lot of thought as well, um, you know, could also be a potential fear. I think I do have an idea of the things I am interested in, but it's almost like, okay, I would want to be sure before committing to anything um, for the long term. So there's that too. Yeah, I guess one thing to say about time, and, you know, people often talk about delaying getting to a certain point. But, you know, the truth is in medicine and in life, you know, there isn't an end point. There's not this magical place you're going to arrive and everything's done and uh, you're all good and there's nothing else to do it's similar you know before going to medical school many of you may have thought oh should I take a gap year but then that's I'm going to be a year behind all your friends and actually now that probably doesn't mean anything you know and it's the same through training there's always going to be exams there's always going to be the next hurdle to get to Uh, it'll be just finishing med school then it'll be getting a job then it'll be on a specialist program then it'll be finishing my exams then it'll be getting a consultancy then it'll be getting a senior consultant post or sub-specialization so you know I think it's easy to say don't worry about delaying things but I think that is becomes increasingly less important as as time goes on plus of course it makes you you know interesting if you go to interviews and they say, oh, you know, you're you're two years behind X, Y and Z. And you can say, well, it's because I travelled to Canada. I did some amazing things in this hospital. I was in the US. You know, that's a, that's a great thing to talk about. Much more exciting than, you know, just passing your exam first time, for example. So, yeah, I, th- I think treat time carefully, but don't make it be uh, the be all and end all of your decisions. Yeah, and kind of on that note about kind of, um, you know, just taking a year out to do something very different. Um, You mentioned gap years, Matt, and things like that. I spoke to a doctor who has spent two years in Australia after their F2 year. 
um, before they came back to the UK uh, in September to start or August to start specialty training. And I got kind of a quote from them about their experience, which I thought it might be interesting for us to talk a bit about. So they said that taking time out in Australia was a great experience. There was more pay for working fewer hours and overall a better work-life balance. I moved out during COVID, so it was all a bit weird, but overall very easy to adjust to life in Australia. It's become a very popular F3 option, so there'll always be other British doctors keen to meet up and travel. There was a reasonable amount of paperwork to arrange visas and the logistics of getting over there, but so worth it. Also worth mentioning that a lot of hospitals will cover relocation costs, like the flight to Australia and the relocation of furniture and possessions for the fir- and the first few weeks of accommodation. So I thought that was quite a nice reflection on what it's like to just take some time out. Kind of, we've been talking a lot about what it means for training, but actually to just kind of experience something different straight after your F2 year, which I think is something we're seeing a lot of people doing at the moment. Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, like I said, that like that kind of option is is really popular among or and, and Matt said it as well uh, that that po- that option of taking a year out or two years out after you finish your intern year is really popular among uh, say people in my class the year cl- the class above. Like, there's a lot of people talking about doing it, and I know uh, a good few people over in Perth now or in Melbourne now that are r- really enjoying themselves uh, and kind of taking time out. And I think uh, it is nice to take time to kind of uh, relax and uh, that, you know, medical school is kind of a stressful, long experience. And then go like training can also be a stressful, you know, long experience. So to take time where you're not kind of, I guess, constantly advancing your career is definitely, you know, something I'd really, really love to do. Yeah. Yeah. um, Yeah, I definitely sort of agree. I think just. Um, I think it's always important to take time out to do things that, you know, are just a new and different experience or things that you enjoy. And um, I think something like that would definitely be ideal. I think even for my kind of elective, I I would be thinking of like, you know, maybe doing a few weeks in a different country just to get that taste and just see how it is. And probably in the US, if that's why I'm thinking to go long term, it would be good to do a couple of weeks out there to at least, you know, dip your toes in the water and see if things um, start to make sense a little bit but um, I definitely agree I think a job is a job is a job so um, it helps if there's sort of nicer things to look out outside your window and the work-life balance is a bit easier but at the same time if you do anything too much no matter how much you love it it will start to make you feel a bit sick of it so um, I think yeah in the long term I'm, I'm definitely someone who's even very open to part-time training and things like that just because I want people to balance other interests and you know keep my excitement for medicine while I also explore other things otherwise it can become too intense and I think I kind of learned that the hard way through my um, long route back to medicine so um, yeah I think it's just about actually knowing yourself and knowing what drives you and then finding the pieces that line up with that. Yeah, no, I agree. I guess the the only other thing to say is it's not right for everybody. There are disadvantages. And if you have issues at home, then moving the other side of the world doesn't mean those issues will go away. You know, medicine here can still be stressful. Uh, the hours can still be tricky. There's still, um, you know, there's still issues with communication and patient complaints and Uh, pressure from a health system and the health service so you know it's not a panacea and if 
think if people are unhappy at home or unhappy in medicine, it's not necessarily the right thing to do to travel the other side of the world, remove your support networks uh, in you know in an overnight flight, and hope it all gets better. So, you know, I'm a huge proponent of it. I think it's overall a great thing. It's a good thing for the NHS too. If people come back there, they can bring these ideas in. But uh, you know it's not for everybody, and um, and and I think that's okay too, and it's it's important to say that. Uh, Matt, do you mind me asking? Was there anything that really took you by surprise when you moved to Australia? Say, I guess the first time, and now returning. Yeah, I think it did actually. We left at a very different point on the second time around when we'd been through a. A lot in terms of forming social connections and friends and my my parents are older as are my my in-laws for example so we were definitely more homesick uh, this time than the previous time and in fact overall we are heading back to the UK uh, in the summer not for bad reasons it's been fantastic uh, for lots of logistics personal life and and other reasons We've got no regrets about coming, uh, but equally we've got no regrets uh, about going home. And I've often said that you know, lots of things here are better, weather, pay, conditions, coffee, food. <laughs> um, but <laughs> life isn't about things. You know, life's about people. Uh, it's about culture. It's about a sense of belonging. And uh, that's okay too. So I think that took me by surprise I guess the only other one thing to say is that I I thought most about doing medicine I suppose when coming here you know would the protocols be different would the drugs be different and and the way to manage patients but actually it's not the medicine which is challenging it's the it's the connections and the people you know having the neurosurgeon on your phone book that you can just ring and you've known him for five years and say hey what do you think of x y and z or or something along those lines that's the big difference really it's not the drugs the procedures and the medicine it's those connections and I found that more difficult I think than than I imagined yeah so I guess when you're saying about the relationships and the connections did you kind of feel at the start it was like a lot of work or did you feel it was kind of an opposition almost like when you started to kind of get to know the hospital system and to kind of get friendly with the different departments and kind of different uh, ways and procedures of doing things? Yeah I think it's that familiarity and and you know as medical students that you may have been in a placement for a a month and you finally get to know the codes for the toilet door you finally know uh, you know what time the coffee shop opens in the morning and you know uh, the nurse in charge uh, of that ward and you know it feels familiar it feels good you can get things done efficiently and then the next moment you move to a completely different placement and you start again well, it's kind of like that, but on a supersized scale, I guess. You know, I'd worked in the same hospital for a long period of time. I was very familiar there. Things Doing things was possible because of those people. And then you move to a new health system where even, you know, the words and the abbreviations used are different. Then, you know, it's hard. But that's, that's good. You know, going outside your comfort zone uh, is a good thing too. But I think being prepared for that is, is a good thing to do. No, that is really interesting. I guess there's um, 
yeah a lot of things that might kind of take you by surprise or that that we might not think about before we kind of go um okay so we'll talk more about the logistical elements of making this decision right after this advert which is pre-recorded by matt himself (laughs) i'm dr matt morgan alongside working as an intensive care consultant I work as part of the BMJ on examination team to support you in passing your medical exams. You can now get access to our personalised revision resource online and our app for years 1 to 3 totally free with code years123 free as well as a huge 40% discount on our finals product using code finals40. We'll help you to pass by making sure you maximise your time. We'll deliver you the most important questions, keep you on track with daily reminders and give you feedback to show you how you're performing. We are committed to making revision easy, so start your journey to pass first time today by visiting onexamination.com to sign up or by downloading the OnExamination app and using code years one two three free for years one to three free or code finals 40 for 40 percent off our finals product okay back to the show um okay so matt now just in terms of like if students or junior doctors are thinking about doing this um and kind of wanting to start actively planning how kind of easy or difficult would you say it was for you to do this? Obviously, you've you've come at it in kind of two different ways, but... This isn't an easy thing to do. And this is something that you can't just do on a weekend, on a week, on a month, even on two months. You know, this takes sustained effort. It takes a huge amount of logistics, paperwork, planning, speaking to different people. It won't go right the first time. There'll be issues along the way. You'll have to adapt to those issues. Uh, so you know this is a big undertaking don't be under any illusions and that's not just from a medical perspective getting things recognized and equivalence in place it's also from things like visas and housing and uh, contracts and banking you know it's the full spectrum of moving your life uh, to a new place Uh, that's again not to put people off but you have to go into this with a sense this is going to be a big big deal And equally, when you come back, I remember when we came back uh, last time, things don't just go back to normal within a week or a month either. Something as silly as changing the addresses for all your your mail, you know, it probably took six months or 12 months for us to finally start getting (laughs) the mail that we expected again. So it's a long-term big commitment. There are some ways to make that easier. There are agencies that can do some of this for you, and there's advantages and disadvantages uh, to use in those they are very familiar with the process but you know they may they may take a percentage of uh, your relocation expenses for example they may uh, only have a selection of placements which may not be uh, of interest to you so go in that with an open mind um, and you know there are lots of tips to help that process uh, go more smoothly and did you have to redo any exams when you moved, Matt, or were they all kind of carried over? Yeah, good question. So the, the first time, no, because it was part of a training programme. And one thing I would say is 
it is possible to get time abroad recognised. Again, this needs planning. You need to talk to your Royal College or your training provider. And even if it's not your whole duration, um, I was here for 12, 12 months, for example, they may recognise a proportion of that. But that's something you have to do you know, early and, and before you go. Um, the second time I've come out is slightly different, and I'm going through an equivalence process for uh, a consultancy post. So they need to assess whether your training exams is equivalent to that here uh, to give you that equivalence, if you like. And that's a whole different story. You know, that's a really long, complicated process as well. So there's the visa issues. There's the logistics of life and mortgages and rent and bank accounts. And there's the regulation aspect, which is the GMC um, you know, component of it. So there's th- those three big issues to think about in terms of logistics. Uh, last summer, I moved to Canada for 10 weeks for a working holiday. And I had gone abroad before for a couple of months. And, you know, uh, I guess I, I kind of thought I would be more uh, able for it. But it did take me by surprise how many little things you have to set up and uh, how kind of annoying it is to get a new phone provider and a bank and um and i guess i i kind of just thought i would go there and hit the ground running i don't know that i'd go on the friday and start work on the monday or something and just you know have everything set up but yeah i guess it it, di- it didn't really occur to me how much time i would have had to take to um you know get started and to kind of get adjusted um how much time matt did you take like say bef- when you arrived in australia before starting your job yeah actually i was just here for a, about two weeks or so before starting and that was tight uh, by the time you do a working with children check try to get regulated by apra which is the local gmc version here for example go through all even just all the hospital forms so yeah that's a huge thing to do i i guess in terms of tips i've probably got uh, three top tips in terms of that those move in logistics firstly in terms of you've mentioned phones phones now are linked to lots of things in terms of security of course with two-factor authentication so one thing which is good to do is to flip your uh, uk contract onto a sim only contract before going away that will allow you to receive uh, text messages to log into things like bank accounts and so on because that can be a real issue trying to change your phone number over when you're not in a country to access you know, even things like you know paying your electricity bill or in the UK uh, for example so that's one thing I'd say to do secondly in terms of records you know keep a record of absolutely everything <laughs> from your GMC certificates you know all the way through to everything keep that digital Uh, so you can provide it easily. And I guess the final thing to say, logistics in terms of bank accounts, there are now some new providers uh, such as Wise and Revolut, and and there's many others. I personally use Wise, which allows you to easily convert between multiple currencies without going through expensive exchange rates in standard banks. Yeah, it's really helpful to have some like practical tips, I guess. Um, yeah. Um, and was there anything last time when we spoke about you kind of had some top tips about kind of doing short periods of way to kind of test the water um, before you make such a big move? Did you want to kind of elaborate on any of those a bit? 
Yeah, I guess, you know, that might be a good idea. And it may well be that there are conferences in those local areas that you could attend and visit local hospitals, for example. Um, It may well be that there are exchange programmes, either through dedicated organisations or the Royal Colleges, if you're training within a Royal College maybe worth asking uh, that question for example and there are lots of grants available from the BMA from other charities that may help you do that so if you did want a shorter exchange that's certainly uh, something worth worth thinking about. Um, Matt I was going to ask you um, is there anywhere else you're considering moving now after you come back to the UK or do you think you're back for good? Yeah, good question. No, there's there's nowhere else at the minute. We hope to, well, we will be returned to the UK in July and uh, a period of stability uh, there. Uh, you know, ne- never say never. Nobody knows what's around the corner, but I think um, we've, we've done the things we kind of hoped we would do. We're going to bring back new skills, new friendships, new networks and colleagues. And uh, I think for us, that's a, that's a great combination of those things. But, uh, you know, who knows what... The future holds, and uh, I think flexibility is is in, is important and a good thing, and it's something that you know, medicine, like I said at the beginning, can can give us, which is which is fantastic. Yeah, definitely. And Patrick, Sarah, do you have any other kind of questions that you wanted to ask Matt, or anything else you kind of want to reflect on or think about? Um, yeah, I just I think it's all been a very interesting sort of conversation. I think. Um, one thing to bear in mind as well, I think you mentioned sort of moving with your daughter the first time and then with two daughters and wife and kids and things like that the second time. And I think it is one to consider um, just the right kind of life stage to do that in. I think that's something I'm thinking about as well. Yeah, I, th- I agree that this has been kind of really interesting to hear about the kind of different challenges and the challenges of moving, especially, uh, you know, uh, starting a family, like having a family and um, uh, as well in different kind of points in your career, because I guess I always kind of thought of it as something to do like a kind of like a gap year or something mm. or else for good. I don't know why I had this kind of <laughs> dichotomy in my head. Um, but yeah, just. It, it it is nice to know that you can move for a few years, get great training abroad, and come back and bring that home um, and um, y- use it to kind of improve systems in your own hospital and to open your own worldview as well. Um, yeah, well, thank you so much, everyone. That's been a really interesting conversation. I guess some um, kind of take-home messages that medicine isn't a race, and you know, all of these things are things to consider at various points through your training there's not really a right or wrong answer um i suppose so yeah that's all we have time for today um thanks so much to our panelists for joining us and to everyone at home for listening to this episode of sharp scratch if you like our show we'd love it if you could support us by leaving a review wherever you get your podcasts or by sharing it with the people you know tell your friends about it that really helps people find the show Next time, we're going to be attempting to answer the question, how good is a good enough doctor? So get in touch if you want to leave any comments beforehand. You can find us at BMJ Student on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. And if you'd like to hear any other episodes, subscribe to Sharp Scratch wherever you get your podcasts. And in two weeks time, you'll be notified of our next episode. Until then, goodbye from us.